Welcome to Hostel Homies, a podcast focused on the best parts of backpacker culture. I'm your host, Joe Glasgow. Each week I sit down with a new guest, ranging from the people I meet while I'm abroad to professionals who work in the travel industry. Listen along as they share hilarious and inspiring travel stories, unparalleled recommendations on where to go, and tips for seeing the world on a budget. For Hostel Homies, it's all about the journey, the destination, and the people you meet along the way. Hello, Hostel Homies. This episode is brought to you by The Hostel Group. Visit thehostelgroup.com and support hostels by booking direct. Welcome to episode 54. I'm very excited about our guest today. Uh, A lot of the people I interview on this podcast are people I meet while I'm traveling. This guest is actually someone I met because I traveled. When I went to Spain to walk the first part of the Camino, this person came to New York and rented out my room while she was working on her travel app. Diana King is the founder of Day Trippers, an app that offers travelers tickets to events and activities around the world. Day Trippers can be downloaded in the App Store, that's Day Trippers, two words, and we will also share the download link in our episode show notes. We recorded today's episode at Voyager HQ in New York City, a co-working space for leading travel companies. Diana talks all about her time working at Adidas, which by the way, I've been saying wrong my whole life, apparently. Uh, it's not Adidas. Uh, I think <laughs> I think in America, we just decided to, to call it something that it's, it's not and just stuck with it. Uh, but she, she talks about working for the Adidas Originals team when it started as just four people and turning it into the global phenomenon that it is today. She shares how her love and passion for sports has taken her all around the world, and she gives advice for people looking to work abroad themselves. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Diana King. I'm going to start out with a very vague, very open question, and then we'll dive into a little more specific topics, okay? Yeah. Why is travel something that's an important part of your life? Um, Because of the connection to people um, and seeing different cultures, getting the chance to be a part of different people's lives, impacting different people's lives, um, and just, yeah, seeing the world and and living my passion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your passion, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I feel like sports falls under one of those passions, correct? Definitely, yeah. So coming from Australia where sports is one of the one of the biggest things that people live by growing up, it's integrated into schools, it's everything that you do on the weekends. Um, it was always part of my life from when I was probably five years old. Um, so it guided the energy that I have for life, um, the passion that I have for life as well, as well as the competitiveness of, you know, wanting to tick off a bucket list or wanting to tick off things in my career. Um, it's really, um, it's been there from pretty much from day one. So um, I've followed that through for, for nearly 40 years. So with, uh, with travel and sports, do you have a bucket list as far as the type of sports you want to watch, uh, arenas you want to go to around different cities or countries around the world. Do you have anything like that? Yeah, so I've been quite fortunate because I had a career in sport for close to 15 years. Um, I worked for Adidas um, in global, regional and local country roles. Um, So fortunate enough to have gone to World Cups, um, to Olympics, um, to NBA games. So got to tick off a lot of the things that I wanted to tick off on that side. Still bucket list, uh, which we were talking about earlier today, I guess, is um, to go to a hockey game. Yes, which um, may be tonight. Which might right? be tonight yes. at Madison Square Gardens. Um, but other than that, I think it's it's the same thing. It's just being around different cultures and different people that follow their country, mm-hmm. that you feel um, they have honour for where they came from, and just understanding 
the culture of sport and how it mixes with or identifies with different countries. Fortunate enough that yeah, most of my bucket list Super Bowl, World Cup um, 2006, which was probably one of the best, um, but I've been to every World Cup since uh, 2002. Oh my gosh. Um, including Russia, and that's I'm actually part Australian, part Croatian, um, and both Australia and Croatia were in um, that particular World Cup, and Croatia made it to the finals, um, which was pretty amazing against France. Um, the Olympics in Beijing, which was amazing, running with the torch, um, so lots of things that have popped up, in, either in connection to a pinnacle event, or the event itself. Yeah. But I'm a big, I would say, soccer football fan. So um, a lot of my career has been based on on that side of sport. Yeah. yeah, I love that in soccer and football. How I feel like people represent their countries the most. I've noticed this in you know in basketball and football. Obviously, since it's way more North American, yeah. you don't have the other perspectives, the other countries yeah. going to those. Um, I want to talk about the beginning of your career in sports and I know you've had a long career in it so we might only cover a little yeah. bit of it in this episode. Yeah. Um, but what did that look like coming out of university? What did your first job look like? Because I feel like you were thrown pretty quickly into this world. Yes, um, so minus my sports background in being an athlete, um, I actually, I worked part-time obviously during school, but my first role really outside of university, which was a Bachelor of Business Marketing, was to work at Adidas Australia. Um, so I was the marketing assistant in the footwear department um, and worked there briefly for two years and was fortunate enough within two years to be promoted to a global role um, where they moved me to the German headquarters at the age of 21. So the youngest person to be moved globally from a, from a region. Um, to manage global product. So it was really an amazing opportunity that I obviously couldn't say no to, but, you know, 24 hour flight from home, um, moving all my things, you know, being thrown into the deep end, but just an amazing, amazing opportunity um, that happened actually really quickly. Um, but I think that's through sheer, you know, grit and, you know, love of what you do and openness to to follow a path or a journey that's been laid in front of you. Yeah. Um, and that was laid in front of me and I embraced it. And, you know, everyone says from Australia, usually, you know, I'll go overseas for two years um, and then I'll come back. And 20 years later, I'm still on this <laughs> journey of this yeah. path that happened, for, you know, from one pinnacle moment that led me overseas and I just never looked back. Um, and love it, absolutely, yeah. Well, what amazing thing too, to be, to be 21, thrown into Europe especially, into Germany, where it's obviously it's easy to get around to other cities, other countries. Can you tell me about this specific part of Germany where Adidas is located and a little bit of the background on that company? Because you, you told me some interesting things about the founder, you know, their family, yeah. everything else that they're, they're yeah. involved in. Well, I must say one of the unique things about firstly about, you know, having the chance to move overseas at 21 was to move in a career where you're actually getting paid um, versus maybe the other path, which is going overseas and maybe backpacking or just, you know, working part time and and traveling while you do it. So I was fortunate in, in that way to to move to Germany and Adidas is um, in a place just outside of Nuremberg um, called Herzogenaurach, um, which is in the middle of Bavaria. Um, so you couldn't be more center of Germany and isolated actually, um, but in the same way, it's you know 5,000 people working there, working at Puma, working at Ena. There are a number of global companies actually all around that area. So beautiful countryside, beautiful people. Um, the, one of the best beer festivals in Germany is actually um, in Nuremberg, in Erlangen. 
Um, and actually the, the background on Adidas is that Adi Dassler was the founder of Adidas, hence the name Adidas. Um, and his brother was actually the founder of Puma. So they both grew up in a little place called Herzogenaurach and they built their first factory actually in Scheinfeld. And as the story or the unofficial story goes that they had an argument over a woman that they were both in love with. Um, hence, you know, a feud happened and they decided to separate their business and one became Adidas and one became Puma. Oh, who is this nice. woman who decided who she actually she ended up uh, she ended up marrying the puma guy really so, um, um she ended up marrying the puma founder um and he obviously was not concentrated on business because adidas <laughs> obviously got the the upper hand on the business side which is usually how it happens i guess when you went in last or you, yes. you went in finance and business so i would say yeah, adidas maybe came out on top there but um amazing yeah just an amazing story amazing history um, you know, decades and decades of love and passion for giving athletes what they need to perform. And it really comes from a place of heart. And I think that passion lives in that company with so much richness and, um, and it echoes globally. So even though, you know, when I arrived in Germany and being in this tiny little village, you think, how can you impact the world from there? But it's the DNA of the company. So as long as you keep that passion and keep that soul and keep that heart, that will echo everywhere around literally the world. Around the literally world. around the world. And um, I was a bit hesitant at first, thinking, oh, it's not somewhere cool. It's not in Berlin or it's not in New York or it's not in Paris. And I actually was recruited into the fashion department, which was um, the originals, the founding of um, the originals team, actually, mm -hmm. back then. And you know what do you do if you don't have the inspiration in your backyard but actually your backyard is full of inspiration because that's where Adi Dassler was born that's sure. where he founded the company and yeah that was something that surprised me in some ways but also reflecting back I can see how important it is to to be true to yourself when you travel in life when you work um, and in everything that you do. Well, I want to get into the history of that country because you've, you've talked to me before about this. You've kind of stumbled, <laughs> stumbled across some things, but I want to talk about that. The first couple years you're there, you're, yes. you're 21, you're young, you're ready for traveling, but you're also ready to start your career. Yeah. What are what are the first couple people you meet out in in that area of Germany, whether it's in Adidas or outside? Are there any people taking you under their wing or kind of showing you the ropes out there? Yeah, the amazing thing actually about Adidas as a, as a company and a lot of sports companies, it's all about team. You realize very quickly, and especially with Adidas, they put team first. It's not winning first, it's team first. And that really echoes in the company. So you always have the resources that you need in general. Um, on the other hand, the task that I had was to build originals, which we didn't have a team. We only had four people um, versus the average department that has over 100, 150 people. Um, I think one of the greatest people I met early in my time in Germany when I was doing some research on the company and I didn't have much guidance on where to go. So the reference was go on the internet and try and find some old school product to bring back or go to flea markets in Italy or in Paris or in London. Um, and actually just through um, talking to some people at the, at the global office, I found out that there was 
a single person still alive that knew the founder, Addie Dassler, that managed our factory in Scheinfeld. So I got on the phone and I called him and I asked if I could meet him. And um, I went out to Scheinfeld, which is where they still make two shoes, um, that are two soccer shoes. Still the old school way on the production line. Mm -hmm. And this man was just, yeah, I was almost in tears listening to the stories and just solidifying everything that you read in the books or that you hear the rumors of, you know, Addy Dassler did this or he really believed in this. And then you speak to someone that knew him. Mm -hmm. And that happened to me very quickly. So I was very lucky to find out that he existed mm -hmm. and also to just get in the car and drive to Scheinfeld, which was still another 45 minutes with no coordinates on the map and you know um because you're out there in Bavaria you're not in like you're saying you're, you're not, not in a Berlin yeah. you're not in a very no, organized it's city like right? no street names yes. you know no locks on the doors <laughs> back in, in those days and and this man was just full of of tales of of travel with Addy Dassler of the kind of shoes he built but why he built them and it was always it was never about money it was always about passion and wanting to do good and wanting to improve someone's lives and improve sport. And then the money came. Um, but the essence was always the heart of the brand and, sure. and what it meant. And, you know, and the same way the three stripes are there is actually as support. So they're functional. They're not, it wasn't a design thing. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't Adidas going, I'm going to, you know, make three stripes and yes. it's going to be the coolest thing ever and everyone's going to wear it because it looks cool. No, it was three stripes because it was functional. It actually held the shoe together, which, you know, all these stories and all these reasons were reasons of authenticity about the brand and how the brand was built and how it should function. Um, and on this particular trip, not only did I hear all these amazing stories about, you know, the rumor about Addy Dassler and his brother, um, which is not written in any books, actually. It's it's the rumor that's come from, you know, from Scheinfeld. Um, but I got to actually see some and actually touch some amazing product that had been hidden away, um, like a treasure chest, actually, um, in Scheinfeld, in a locker room, um, the 1956 Jesse Owens shoe from the Melbourne Olympics, oh um, which is, you know, for me coming from Melbourne, and that yes. was actually the first shoe that I actually touched, and it was just in this locker room, um, unseen for for decades probably. Um, and then Muhammad Ali's boot. Um, I was a gymnast growing up, and Nadia Comaneci's perfect ten shoe was in there. Um, Abdul Jabbar, like you name it, they're all these just amazing history, but signed by these athletes. Um, and, and this then is just, just sitting in. Can you describe like the texture of this locker room? What does this look like, or what does this room look like that you're oh, going through? Imagine the just a men's locker room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very absolutely not fancy. No locks on the door, um, and with no. It wasn't with disrespect that it was there. It's just where it was born and it lived, and I don't think the company yet realised this treasure chest or this trove of what they had, it was just accumulating there in Scheinfeld from someone who believed and wanted to keep it and nurture it, um, which I think was also lovely. You know, it was a nice way to discover it where it naturally was and with somebody that believed in it and was there during that journey. So although now it's in a museum, which is amazing because the whole world can see it and appreciate it, when I found it there, it was also just an amazing thing because it's about the context. You know, the context of it being there was actually Adi Dassler and the gentleman from Scheinfeld were the ones that created these shoes, were the ones that were, you know, a team 
in making sure that these athletes had what they needed and the gift was given back to them because all these shoes were signed um, by these people, so, you know, by these athletes. So I was a bit taken aback by the fact that it was just in this tiny little place that had no locks on the doors and, you know, it was just thrown somehow, you know, seemingly thrown into, into lockers, but at the same time, um, such a beautiful find. Um, and then we created, I was working on the clothing side, so then we created a capsule collection that actually really brought it to life by telling the story um, because it's great to tell the story by just having one piece but if you can create multiple pieces then there is you know really some storytelling and and I love that about branding about marketing about travel um, is the storytelling and I think that's maybe you know where I get the storytelling from but yeah, sure. um, at that time Adidas had a big campaign called every trefoil has a story and that came about from discovering the stories of Adidas, of the brand, of the products. Um, and that was an amazing, amazing campaign that lasted years and years um, because it was the DNA of why the product existed and, and who was behind it and what they did. Well, and because you went out of your way to, to ask a question and to talk to someone who maybe hadn't been talked to in a while, right? Yeah. And I want to pause for a second and talk about, I know it seemed like a quick decision to, yeah, I'm going to go to Germany, but because you went to Germany, someone who loves sports as much as you do, I mean, you were in a place where even people who don't like sports would know Muhammad Ali, Jesse yes. Owens, all these things, but you were in arguably the, the best, you know, mini museum that you could have ever yeah. been in and talking with someone that had information that no one else knew. Yeah. And I'm going to go into just asking the questions or going up and speaking to someone, especially when you're traveling, especially yeah. when you're outside your own home. Have you had other experiences like this where you've gone up, started a conversation, and that's changed the direction of your life in some way? Oh, yes, many. Um, to pinpoint one is quite hard because actually it's a habit I live by, actually. And maybe because it happened so early on that I got the move to Germany, it's so second nature that I think every day my destiny is changed mm -hmm. by people and conversations. Um, so, yes, okay, moving to Germany was a big one, but even moving from originals to managing the football department um, and looking after a lot of our athletes and our clubs, that happened because I was watching a rugby match on a weekend and somebody was telling me about a problem in their business unit and then I counteracted that problem or, you know, we discussed it and then on the Monday they offered me a move to that department to fix a problem that was happening. Um, so that was, you know, that was also... That was a chance meeting. I was usually away on the weekends or, you know, traveling. Um, but even a lot of um, opportunities that came up, you know, I was on a factory visit in Vietnam and, you know, I was negotiating some pricing on, on some T-shirts and then I found out that I negotiated the best ever pricing on a blanket T-shirt for Adidas ever in the history um, and saved them millions of dollars. But that was because of a chance negotiation that happened because I was under pressure and under time constraints. Um, or I met the factory owner and they would send me to another client um, or we would grow the business in a different direction. Um, so, yeah, I mean, moving constantly, you know, um, but just taking the opportunities, I think, and, and learning from other people in other departments that, you know, that guided my entire life, actually. Um, I actually left Adidas in uh, 2005, um, to go to Argentina and a chance conversation on my way to Argentina landed me in Adidas in China. So it was the same thing. It wasn't planned. 
um, but just through you know chance meetings, chance discussions, I ended up again in you know in another foreign country, sure. living in Shanghai. So well, and to give yourself credit, you you clearly had a background in marketing. You you knew what you were talking about when you were in these conversations. Do you have advice for people? I mean, I feel like. When I hear your story, I feel like so many people, including myself, would want that kind of life, especially in the 20s and 30s of traveling around the world, working for a company you believe in. Do you have advice for people who would want to work, you know, work either remotely or work abroad um, for a company they're passionate about? How to get even started in that direction? Yeah. Um, firstly, is you know know what your passion is um, and live it in everything you're doing during the day because that will radiate and that will attract. And I really believe that you will attract the people. Um, well, like you being at the rugby match I and mean, that, of course. Yeah. Um, or me just living sport my entire life. I mean, it was just a natural thing that I, you know, that I got a job at Adidas. But I think you have to really, you know, focus, put yourself out there, take whatever opportunity you can, never say no. Um, like that's one of my, one of my big things actually with traveling. Like I never say no to anything. Um, I'm a big risk taker, so I'm not saying necessarily take all the risks, but I think, you know, putting yourself in situations that are outside your comfort zone um, and believing, you know, you have to, you have to believe in yourself and you have to go outside your comfort zone. And if you're outside your comfort zone is two steps ahead of where you think you want to be, go there and then you will land where you want to be. And I think that's actually one of the greatest advice that I've ever been given as well is, you know, if someone gives you a target, if you aim for that target, you'll be lucky to hit that target. If someone gives you a target, double it. Go for the double and you'll end up probably better than where you should be um, and the opportunity will come in, in that. And, you know, do your research um, you know, and, and just, you know, work hard, work smart, but meet people. No success happens in isolation. And I think that's one of the, the biggest advices. You can, you can get a great education, but if you're not out there talking to people, if you're not putting yourself in front of people, the opportunity probably won't come. I would imagine it's hard with, with your life moving that fast, that quickly. Sometimes it's hard to stay in the moment when things are always momentum. Do you feel like there were times where you got to sit and truly appreciate where you were at? Little snapshot moments, um, specifically during your time at Adidas? Yeah, that's quite, it's quite a confronting question actually, because you do move through life really quickly, especially when all these opportunities are coming or, you know, you've been, you know, given a great wage or a great lifestyle um, that you might not stop and, you know, smell the roses. Sure. In that way, because of, you know, coming from Australia, which is quite a small country, but also multicultural, um, and you just appreciate the difference in people, you appreciate nature, or I do anyway as, as a person. So for me, stopping and smelling of the roses, so to speak, has been something that I've actually had, you know, my entire life. So um, I always try, and even in those moments where life was moving really quickly, is to appreciate, you know, where I was um, and how I got there, which is my amazing family that immigrated to Australia from Europe with nothing. Um, in 1965 and without their chance decision which actually was also a chance movement they planned to move to Canada and when my dad got to the Canadian consulate the Canadian consulate was closed so the Australian consulate was across the road and he actually just knocked on the door and they gave him immigration status to Australia and my mum didn't even know until he actually arrived and sent her a postcard so maybe that's where it comes from but I think that you know that was a chance it was completely 
I mean, to, to go to a concert thinking you're going to immigrate to Canada and then the consulate is closed because it's Canada Day and that was the day that you chose to go there and then you end up in Australia. And I think, you know, seeing their journey and growing up maybe with not everything but with everything in terms of love and support and, and a home and a, a good education, you know, it, it just forces you to appreciate or, you know, to reflect on, you know, the life you've been given and, and the chance that, you know, that that has led you to. Um, and that's always been something that I've managed to, to stay grounded. And I think when you, when you travel and you meet different people, you appreciate different backgrounds and you realise, and we were discussing that earlier, you know, that we are all the same, you know, we are all built the same, um, no matter what you have or where you've, where you've come from. So to stop and, you know, and look around and say, wow, this is a, you know, this is a beautiful moment, whether it's looking at a sunset or whether it's some adrenaline or driving a fast car on the Autobahn in Germany, which I did quite a bit, um, or whether it's meeting an athlete and seeing their journey or seeing an athlete that's maybe disabled and seeing their journey and what they've achieved. Um, it's, it's a really, it's an amazing thing. So I think I was also fortunate to be in situations that were so diverse that, you have to constantly appreciate and and look at them in that way yeah that's a beautiful way to put it and it's easier said than done right i think a lot of people <sighs> take their life for granted take their experiences for granted but you're absolutely right when you're around so much that's so different than what you're used to yeah. your your mind i think automatically has to go oh this is different this is amazing yeah, this is something new. yeah. well i as i mentioned we we're going to get you on the podcast a couple of times because <laughs> i feel like you have so many stories to tell. Um, I, I usually end every episode talking about where people think everyone in the world should go. But for you, I'd like to ask what event, whether it be sporting or not, do you think everyone needs to experience? Oh, wow. Event. Uh, event or oh, definitely a World Cup. Yeah. Um, if you can get yourself to a World Cup, it is one of the most amazing experiences because all the countries come together everyone is is your friend every game is equal it's about who's the better team um, but the cities come alive at a world cup the outdoor setup of watching games you know everyone is included usually when there's a world cup whether you're are fortunate enough to have a ticket or whether you're just in the main square in Germany or wherever wherever the World Cup is happening it's definitely that would be an unborn and I think that's even for people who, who don't care about football or oh. soccer I mean I think that it just just the energy you're around and the different perspectives you get to see from these I mean myself I, I grew up loving you know basketball baseball North American football but never really enjoyed football itself until yeah you go you go to the city where it's happening and you're just you're part of something that you didn't think yes. even existed and i think that's actually for for any event any event live because that's the experience that's the touching like in travel you know when you touch it and you experience it it's it's on a completely different level it's the energy it's the passion it's the smiles it's the upset it's the triumph it's the underdog that comes through or whatever it is and in actually in soccer you have all of this happening um, during a World Cup, actually, because there's always and a, a good example is Croatia at the last World Cup. Who would have thought a country that isn't even 20 years old is actually in the World Cup final um, against France? It's, you know, it, it's amazing what can happen when you have a dream, actually, and seeing dreams come true and seeing people work so hard 
it's the same thing if you appreciate what it took you know all the parts you know it's not an individual sport it's you know and even individual sports there's a team behind each person um i think it's yeah it's amazing if you can embrace that and and appreciate that because it makes the experience even better go to a world cup that happen every four years Uh, Diana, anything else you want to plug, talk about? I know you've got some ventures coming up. Yeah, I've got, um, so one of my passions, obviously, through my career is traveling. So I've been, I've been fortunate enough to have been to 113 countries and I've planned over 3,800 hours. So I've come up with an app. It's called Day Trippers. Um, You can download it on the App Store um, and you can book tours and activities anywhere in the world. Made easier. And what makes your app different than other travel apps? Yeah, um, so my app is really designed for the individual. Um, So my app has different sections. Um, So you can go into the general section where you can filter by your personal travel type, or you can go into wellness, or you could go into sports, for example, and you can really hone in on experiences that are are just for you. And they're made for in-destination. So they're really made for, um, you know, last minute or just being inspired or being spontaneous. Um, and being able to do things when you want to do them. And that's such a smart way to organize because for me, when I'm going through the different travel apps, I feel like, oh, go and do this in Bali. Well, I'm not in Bali, you know? (laughs) You want want it to be a thing. I mean, kind of like these new apps are set up where you are the day of, because that's when you're traveling, that's kind of how you plan. Yeah, and I think I just, I want the app I want to inspire people to live life to the max. Um, I want people to, you know, embrace the journey and finding like-minded people when they travel. And the app is also designed to link you up with people while you're traveling. So don't do this tour because it's not with people in your age group, but go on this tour because it's with people in your age group, gotcha. for example. Yeah. Day trippers. Day trippers. Perfect. Diana thanks, King. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Lovely. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Hostel Homies.